right. Well, Russell, we're back from Texas Open, and uh, we've got a special guest joining us tonight, uh, Kit, uh, who has been a uh, friend to the uh, team and a uh, awesome uh, person to to play games with, and just happened to go five or six and zero oh this weekend with Thousand Sons at Texas Open as well. Uh, so it might be pretty interesting to hear what he has to say about the uh, the event. Uh, so with that, Kit, welcome to the program, man. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Good to be here. Awesome. All right. So I mean. I'll just throw it to the floor. Like, where do you guys want to start on what we saw this weekend, meta-wise? Um, you know, maybe Kit, just kind of start with you. Like, do you feel like things <laughs> changed, or do you feel like, you know, we saw what we what we pretty much thought we were going to see, mm -hmm. and you know, there there were no surprises. It feels like kind of the meta is solidifying at this point. There's very much two clearly best armies. Uh, GSC and uh, Eldar, as anyone who's paying attention will notice. Honestly, at the T and then there's the armies that can sometimes play into them, is kind of how the meta feels. It's there's those two armies, and there's the armies that sometimes beat them. And I think what exemplified that was the uh, War Master GT at WTC. That one, like the top three, was all Eldar, if I remember which is just absolutely absurd to me. The, but other than that, it's like GSC, Eldar, GSC and Eldar are the comfortable top two. And then there's like four or five other factions that can play into them. And they do well at events and sometimes win them, but usually go like 5-1, uh, losing only to one of those two armies. That's kind of how it feels like the meta is to me right now. There's a little bit of, there's still definitely some innovation left of, hey, how can we optimize this to play into Eldar, to play into GSC? And also for GSC and Eldar, how can they optimize their list to be the hardest to play into and, frankly, to beat the mirror match? Because that's a big consideration right now with how absolutely dominant those two are over the meta. My, I'm kind of with you. I think Eldar, I think the longer Eldar goes along, the more people are going to figure out how to counter him and beat him. Um, and I think luckily there's a lot of people out there that don't have Gene Stealer cult collections. So it's, it's, it's yeah. kind of limited <laughs> to the really good Gene Stealer cult players that have the right models like Eric Tat, which Eric's amazing. Um, and uh, Texas has two just absolutely amazing Gene Stealer cult players and Kit. I mean, and, and Eric and then, um, Clifton. Uh, Clifton Russell, and then of course yeah. Justin just went six and zero this weekend yeah. with Gene Stiller Colt as well. So I mean, outside of that, I you know I I see Gene Stiller Colt, and I feel like they're beatable. I feel Eldar's beatable, but mm -hmm. soon as you soon as you make it, you know, if you catch somebody in round two that hasn't, you know, maybe maybe the greatest player, you you got a chance against them. But soon as you run up against a top player with one of those armies, you got to be you got to be really squared away to to make it happen. And that's why I commend Kit that. He was able to take down a uh, Gene Stiller Colt with a uh, with Thousand Sons. I'm impressed because of who Eric is. I mean, Eric, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Eric is Eric is you know hands down the best Gene Stiller Colt player you know in the world. I mean, he's won best faction in that several times, and this is this is his moment to shine. And and <laughs> Kit's uh Kit's 
kids dropped him. So <laughs> it's raining on the, on the on the party right now. So yeah. so let's get into that, Kit. So uh, obviously, you came well prepared to handle GSC. I mean that that yep. was you know what your list does. Why don't you talk about it a little bit and kind of what went into it and what your plan was? Yeah. So uh, the list is. I'll be honest. It's very, very heavily based on uh, the list that a friend of mine created, Vic VJ, for the WTC. And what it was, I talked with him a ton before the event of just what's the best way to deal with the meta right now. And what T-Suns are kind of in a uniquely good place to handle GSC, because what they can do is they can take advantage of the fact that rubric marines have such incredibly good access to flamers and can you can just take rubric squads with three flamers in every squad plus a soul reaper plus the aspiring sorcerer and then there's the absolute gem of a unit in the t-suns index that is the infernal master Mm, that guy is an absolute menace to GSC <laughs> on the overcharge profile. Being able to just do 2d6 flamer shot with mm, rural ones to wound when attached to a rubric marine squad is absolutely hideously lethal to beating GSC. In particular, one of the... So running over like what the list that I was running is is the list was designed to have a massive, massive amount of Cobalt points. That was like the first consideration with the list because frankly, Thousand Suns rely on the Cabal, in my opinion. That's the best part of the index. And so the list that I created has an absolutely absurd 23 Cabal points uh, when everything's on the board. Uh, though it almost never gets to that state more accurately is that it gets like 12 to 13 cabal points every turn and can keep keep that up throughout the entire game mm, so we've got the absolute suite of characters with triple infernal master who always go with rubrics just because the root it's not even about the infernal master giving his buff to rubrics which is sustained hits though it is nice on the soul reaper cannon and warp smite it's mostly about the rubrics giving their ability to the Infernal Master and just saying, oh, hey, uh, reroll ones to wound on a strength six flamer is really, really good at beating GSC. <laughs> the way the math works out is that them, the rubric marines plus an Infernal Master is exactly enough firepower to reliably kill a 10-man Acolyte Brick when they come down. And that, to me, is incredible. Incredibly, incredibly important because the um, Acolyte Brick has is probably the best damage output in GSC. Neophytes are very, very, very nasty, but Acolytes with the demo charge, when they come in, they go three inch deep strike away from you. And then I'm just going to unload horrifying amounts of fire onto you. That's the thing that just tables people. And so my list is designed to say, okay, no matter where you try to come down, I have these five squads of minimum of five rubrics, all of them with three warp flamers, an icon of flame, a soul reaper cannon, and then an aspiring sorcerer with a warp flame pistol. 
if you drop in range of any of them, I'm going to overwatch you. And then once I overwatch you, you're probably going to die. In particular, this allows me to surround Magnus with them because Magnus is just an absolute beast in every matchup. <laughs> and now they can't get their demo charges into into Magnus. They can't kill him. And it would take basically all of their neophytes all shooting Magnus to have good odds of killing him. And that's just not something that they can commit to doing. The other thing that I think is a really useful trick against GSC is the ability to do the teleport, the double move, and then the use warp site to get the indirect fire against them. Because one trick that I oftentimes will like doing is uh, teleporting in my uh, brick with the arcane, with the umbrella crystal. So I have the one Infernal Master with Umbralefic, one with Arcane Vortex, and one just normal guy. Uh, teleport, start the Umbralefic on the board, teleport him to get an angle onto the GSC. Uh, use six Cabal then to indirect fire and shoot their Ridge Runner. Because the Ridge Runner giving extra AP is actually very, very clutch in a lot of situations. And being able to just go, oh, hey, I'm going to nuke it <laughs> is very hard for them to deal with in a lot of situations. Other than that, it's just kind of a game of deny primary. Yeah. I was just going to say, the other thing I thought that was pretty interesting was the, the rhinos in your list, because maybe that gets away a yes. little bit from the GSC matchups, because the obvious thing that I always saw was or that at least started to happen this event, not necessarily mm -hmm. a Tacoma, but this event players are starting to catch on like how to deal with thousand suns um as russell yeah. will probably get into from our match um they obviously go for the kapal points and aramon's unit yeah. is almost always that first that first unit to get targeted because yeah it's like four cabal points in that squad and he has no protection he doesn't give an invuln he doesn't do anything other yep. than just buff the output so What's really mm -hmm. cool, I, I can see with the Rhinos, is that you have a place to put the 10-man squad and Aramon, maybe even another spot for like a lone dude or something to hop, you know, to hop out of. Actually, that's the fun thing. I don't have a 10-man squad. I only have five mans. I have five five-man squads of rubrics. Uh, but you are right, Aramon's squad always goes in a rhino. Because being able to move up that Rhino, get out Aramon and his squad, because they made that change in 10th edition of being able to disembark from transports after they had already moved, though you can't charge, is means that he can get that all-important reach on being able to move out, dump him out, and now he can use his free Cabal to target something. You don't get the Cabal for starting him on the board, but he can still use his once-per-game free Cabal so is a ton of generation right there. And then the other Rhino, just having two of those makes it such a threat for the opponent that's very hard for them to deal with. And actually into GSC, they serve a secondary purpose, which is dealing with the saboteurs. Because the saboteurs are very, very annoying to handle as Thousand Sons, since ironically... There, we don't have any protection against mortal wounds. And so, okay, I'm going to pilot my five mana rubrics up in order to shoot the saboteur. Oh, she rolls a two up. Oh, she rolls a six on mortal wounds. Three rubrics are just dead. 
and that's really annoying and difficult to deal with. However, with the Rhino, what you can do is just move up, ask, do you want to do the mortal wound to the Rhino? If they do, okay, cool. Now you get to disembark and shoot off the saboteur, and you will just kill her. And if they don't choose to shoot at the uh, proc the mortal wounds on the Rhino, all right, that's fine too, because the Rhino has a firing deck too. So just the Infernal Master and um, Aspiring Sorcerer will say, okay, cool, I'm now going to just flamer you, and you're just dead. <laughs> it so creates don't... those very awkward situations. So dumb That's question so here from me, like, mm -hmm. why, why does it, so you move up and, and yeah. they, can't, they don't choose to do the mortal wounds to the rhino. Why can't they do the mortal wounds to you when you hop out of the rhino? You absolutely, they absolutely could. And so what you do is you move up, they choose not to do the mortal wounds to the rhino, and then you just don't get out. You just stay inside. And now, because the rhino, they changed it so that the rhino now has firing deck for uh, all rhinos, okay. you can just say, okay, cool, rhinos, I'm going to just now shoot you from inside the rhino. Gotcha. That's really good. I like that. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, the I mean, trick. And basically, what's amazing is the firing mm -hmm. deck basically gave our rhinos fire, uh, war planers, which is, that's awesome. Exactly. <laughs> you don't get the rerolls from rubrics, but that's fine, because the rhino yeah. actually... It has weirdly good shooting, is the thing that I discovered. I gave it a the combi bolter plus the combi weapon plus the havoc launcher. And suddenly for clearing out infantry, you're getting in half range, you're getting like six plus D6 plus blast shots. <laughs> Which is and a one lot. Of them, one of them is what? Anti so you'll get rapid fire, right? On the anti the, the on the combi one, which is mm -hmm. anti-infantry too, which is great because you might get some models yeah. out of it too. Yeah, exactly. And, only hits on fours, but anti-infantry four-up dev wounds. Suddenly, that's just like one or two mortal wounds that yep. just happen. Plus, there's the combi bolter, plus the havoc launcher, plus the guys inside. Suddenly, just like random lone operatives sitting on objectives. The reductus saboteur, the caladus, um, yeah. the changeling. They're actually just at risk of getting shot and killed. <laughs> just they can't go stand out there because you can get to them. Yeah. Exactly, because the rhino just moves 12 inches. And I can also temporal surge the rhino if necessary as, as a, hey, I'm moving the rhino 12, I'm temporal surging. Now I'm on the objective. I'm going to shoot and kill your lone operative. And there's still guys in the rhino. So if you shoot yeah. the rhino, I'm now just going to get out and yep. good luck. <laughs> you have two targets. I'm still yep. on the point. Hope you have extra shooting. So, uh, so, so GSC, it went well for you in that game. Um, and yeah. you played GSC twice. Did I hear that right? Yep. Yep. And, played it twice at the event. And so what other matches did you have at the event? I think you had a mirror match for your last one. Was that right? Uh, round three was a mirror match against David Hall, which was my favorite game of the event. Uh, less, not so much because it was a mirror match, mostly because David is just an absolutely fantastic human being and loved playing him. But the that was a weird, weird matchup. <laughs> My round one was against a uh, Chaos Space Marines list. He was running an interesting list of uh, the full three big bricks of Accursed Cultists, uh, three bricks of Cultists. The three dark communes, 
and then three Forge Fiends. The problem is, uh, what I told him is basically, oh, you're kind of a horde list. Unfortunately, my list is designed to beat hordes, because <laughs> it's designed to beat yeah. GSC, and you get caught in the crossfire. <laughs> After that, the other two matchups, round four was against uh, Nathaniel Bjorge uh, with his custod- Adeptus Custodes. And then the final round was against uh, Robert Moreland, who, with his Astra Militarum, that was uh, for the final round. Gotcha. And he beat me, he beat me round one, I think, by like three points. Yeah. Uh, and the Hellhounds that yeah. he had were a real big problem for me early on. I Much different for you mm-hmm. with the Rhinos, because you could just go yep. out there and you don't care. Like, I didn't have that protection. And yeah, uh, I can see exactly. how that made a big difference for you. Yeah, and the same thing I talked about with like that trick against the Reductus you can do the exact same thing against anyone that has a very scary Overwatch, like Hellhounds. The big thing against Robert, his matchup, uh, his matchup I'm actually kind of proud of because I managed to get a trick uh, that worked where he went first. I had one Rhino that was just sitting behind cover, uh, nice and tuck safe. Everything was nice and safe, except for one Rhino that was out uh, some relatively exposed. So there was one angle that he could get to and just shoot it with his. Um, I think it was a storm sword. Yeah, his, his super heavy, whichever one it was, and he went ahead and moved the super heavy, shot at the rhino. Inside the rhino is the thousand sun sorcerer squad with the rubrics inside, and then Magnus is behind a wall nearby. So he shoots, kills the rhino. Just it's dead. Free and basically he's like, all right, cool. I killed a rhino for free. Now I'm able though to basically position and orient all of my units, uh, move up the sorcerer squad because they weren't shootable to just 19 inches away, like 18 and a half inches away from his um, uh, storm sword. Then so that okay, 18 and a half inches away, you can't Overwatch me. You can't target me unless you're within 18 inches. And then I double move it uh, in the shooting phase to get in range. And now I have the ability to just shoot everything at the Storm Sword. Armin also pokes out, uh, gets a stay, his squad stays near the Mulith Vortex Beast, takes away his save. I then use my teleport squad as well, which uh, teleports over and then does the second double move uh, to get teleporting to nearby his uh, Storm Sword, but outside line of sight of it, and then double moving into range and into line of sight of it, whereas Magnus stays twenty about 26 inches away and then uses the three inch of, is of extra range, plus my final... Uh, no, I didn't have to use any Cabal. Uh, the Cabal were out at that point because I had doom bolted it and then double moved two units, for, which is 17. And I'd started uh, 19 Cabal on the board because I knew that in that matchup, I had to go for the play of Kill the Storm Sword turn, turn one. And then take away its save, unload two full rework quads, unload Magnus, and get a Doom Bolt into it. Kill it turn one. And that's basically seals the game. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> now Magnus is out in the open. He can't do anything. And it was weird because in our game, um, he had the engine seer behind the behind the um, the bait the bait yeah. blade. 
tank. And so mm -hmm. I just basically ignored it for most of the game and just used things like cultists and uh, the yep. changeling and other stuff to just kind of go hold the middle and, and objectives while he would yeah. use the, you know, he would end up using that to shoot the cultists or something like that, which is mm -hmm. almost as effective as just, you know, not having it shoot at all for that matter. So, yeah. So in our game, the reason that I was able to go for that play is because on turn one, he decided to take the, use the engine seer to buff the Rogel Dorn, give that the four up phone instead of his storm sword. And as soon as I saw him go for that play, my brain went, oh, I'm going to try and kill it right now. Because Magnus on his own actually almost solos the tank. I think it does like 24 damage on average when it doesn't get a safe, assuming that you're doing full rerolls. And then everything else into it is just gravy. In fact, uh, everything had gone the tank down to only two wounds before Magnus started shooting. So I got a little greedy with Magnus <laughs> and went, okay, uh, Magnus, you're only putting the gaze of Magnus into that tank. You're Zinch's Firestorm. There's a guardsman squad over there. Go kill it. Yeah, of I course, find he's, yeah. I, I find that there's some times where I, that happens to me, where where you will, mm -hmm. you'll commit the stuff like the flamers and everything else to it, or even the bolters for that matter. Like my, I'm, yeah. I'm running the Terminator blob still. I'll commit the right, Terminators yeah, yeah. to something and shoot them. And when the devastating wounds, I'll line up other stuff like Magnus and other stuff to do their yep. psychic attacks. And it's funny because sometimes I will just so overkill something with the Terminators that I'm left with Magnus just going, well, I don't have anything to shoot now with Magnus. Uh, you know, yeah. what do I do? You know, now I have to use like an indirect ability or something. So, yeah, that was quite funny because I really, I was shooting Magnus. He had smoke screened it. Uh, and I had forgotten that Magnus gives himself plus one to hit as well as plus one to wound. Mm -hmm. Just game six things. And shot tank, three shits, rerolled the fail, rolled into a two. I think this misses, so I have to take it out. I rolled a wound, I'm wounding on fours, because strength nine plus one to wound. Oh, crap. <laughs> because if I fail to kill this storm sword on that turn, I lose on the spot. Like, me and Robert talked about it, I lose on the spot. Mm -hmm. Because at that point, he it's bracketed, yes, but that barely matters in this edition. It just goes and unloads everything into Magnus, wipes him out. The rest of the army unloads into the two rework squads that got close, wipes them out, and now I'm kind of just out of resources. Of course, I reroll the wounds, and they both wound, and it kills the tank. But... That was a very tense moment. So I was like, oh, I'm getting punished for being greedy here. That's awesome. Well, I mean, congrats again. That that was an awesome result. I was just going to bounce off of something he said in his uh, monologue. Uh, David Hall is an amazing person to play. If you ever get a chance to play him, that's that's just uh, that's just going to be a fun game. I just played him at War Games Con. I had a blast. So, um. To kind of speak of something, uh, you know, on Cabal Points and, and David, you, you kind of mentioned it when uh, Kit was talking. Um, I played against Thousand Sons twice this event using my Black Legion, and I think that was the key in both. Uh, and I feel like as soon as you do that, it's almost like shielding. It shields my army against Thousand Sons. So, like, having a list like Kit's where he has nonstop uh, Cabal resources, I think that goes a long way to stop some of the strategy 
of stopping thousand suns. So that, that, that might be one of the key takeaways that, that, you know, yeah. I've, I've played against thousand suns a couple of, couple times and i put, put put together a whole bunch of lists and studied a lot of it uh specifically so i could talk you know about it here but like mm-hmm. looking at looking at some of the weaknesses i've seen playing against it and building the list i think that's one thing kit mastered here is making sure that he has cabal points from start to finish you know because like even in our game david you you put enough stuff in strategic reserves it minimized what you could do with cabal points early and then from that point on I was trying to minimize your next turn's worth of cabal points by killing as many champions as I could or, or, or characters. And that's what actually what I designed designed my whole turn two around was going, okay, I'm going to bring my obliterators in and I'm going to use my indirect to take out these small squads and you know I'll deal with the big stuff later once he has less cabal point resources. Yeah, and what I usually do is I set it up so that generally there's one, the normal Infernal Master, that goes in reserve and his squad, then uh, each rhino carries one squad of rubrics plus a character, usually one plus Armin and one plus the Arcane Vortex Infernal Master, or Arcane Vortex in reserves and other normal and the rhino, some changes on the matchup. But by doing that, the amount of Cabal I have in the list means that I can still start with like 15 Cabal points on the board. And then once I get out of the Rhino, I, I'll have, like, theoretically 23 on the board. Okay, you're going to kill stuff. You're going to kill, like, 7 Cabal worth of my units. I'm still going to have 16 Cabal on my next turn. You kill... Then I come in from Strat Urzers. That's another squad that's generating 3 Cabal. I come in, I now have more Cabal, and it just keeps going throughout the game. And that means that the list ha- just has this ability to keep doing mission play throughout the game, which is a huge, huge deal in my mind. Because just having even like five Cabal uh, at the end of the game on turn five is such a huge boon of being able to just go, okay, I'm going to move Temporal Surge. Suddenly I'm all the way, this Rhino is all the way across the board. It's behind your lines and it's deploying a Teleport Homer. I just got eight points. <laughs> That sort of thing. So I had a question about a couple things in your list, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them, there, there's a couple interesting things. So one of them is the Exalted Sorcerer on disc. Yes. Oh, he's so, so good. <laughs> so what are, what are we doing with this guy? Uh, he is completely solo. He starts on the board and does not attach to a unit. What he does is he will... Uh, most most of the games just stay behind a wall, generate two Cabal for most of the game, and then at some point he's going to, when I've committed a bunch of resources everywhere, he's going to run out somewhere, claim, claim an objective, maybe double move, maybe do an action, and just be something that the opponent doesn't have time to deal with because they... There's the these other threats that are on the board. These rubric, the rubrics, the mutilith, Magnus, that are like, hey, this is a massive damage piece that you're gonna have to think about. And then there's just just this one random dude that's giving me two cabal and randomly has six wounds and a four up inform, so is actually kind of really hard to kill. <laughs> you have to dedicate real firepower to kill it, especially when I can just blank a save for free. Well, not for free, but for one CP. Mm-hmm. 
and it's like the fourth or fifth down in the line of priority that they just don't really have time to go after. And then into Custodes, it becomes a completely different unit. <laughs> when I'm playing against Custodes, the Exalted Sorcerer on disc becomes the best unit in the game. Because what I can do, and what I'll usually do against Custodes, this is what I did against uh, Nathaniel, is I go ahead, I take... They usually will, what he did is commit three bricks, one down, one in the middle with the blade champion, one on, and then one more on either flank, because he had the three big bricks of nine custodian guard. What I can do then is just say, okay, I'm going to commit almost my entire army to one flank, wipe out the brick on that side, because the full list shooting does wipe out a full brick of custodian guard especially when i then overwatch when he tries to come out with whatever's remaining and then the exalted sorcerer runs out somewhere advances if needed and just gets a line so that he can just see that custodian guard brick in the middle and then binding tendrils kicks in end of the movement phase select an enemy unit with an 18 invisible on a two up half movement half advance half charge and they just don't go anywhere. <laughs> Suddenly it's this position of, oh wait, I have all my I have all my resources committed on one flank, and you can't deal with them mm, because nothing can get to me. It's just you're stuck. You're moving three inches. Uh you're advancing, you reroll the advance, you maybe go five inches, you now are five inches away from me, that's a 10-inch charge, <laughs> effectively. And that's just, you're not making it. Or maybe even you're not even eligible to charge. So you just sit back and stay in that position. If you are really being clever, and I didn't realize this until after, I thought it until after the events, you could move out the Exalted Sorcerer, hit them with that ability, and then double move them back, and now suddenly you're not even losing the Exalted Sorcerer. He's just there. <laughs> and can keep doing it every turn. Just slingshotting around, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And they don't get to move. <laughs> and, and, he can, and he can even go in the Rhino, too, if I, if I imagine. Because he's infantry, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, hilariously he is. He's not mounted. <laughs> Which is really so, funny. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's awesome. I, I actually like that that they did that this edition because previously just being cavalry was kind of useless. Yeah, but, uh, it is. So okay, there was the there was a second unit in here. I think I think at this mm -hmm. point we've talked about the changeling. You had him in there, but yeah, you've got you've got this unit of three flamers, and they it just yes. kind of seems like this weird unit that's just kind of sitting there. You can't really use cabal stuff with it. Um, so like, nope. what's the what's the intent there with those guys? So the intention with those guys is pretty simple. Mm, initially, what it started out as was I didn't have Enlightened. So I was like, okay, I'll find 20 points to trim, which ended up being downgrading the second Exalted Sorcerer to not being on a disc, and I'll slot in a unit of Flamers. But as the event went on, I found them just being so clutch, just to the point that I'm now think that I would rather run them than Zangor Enlightened every time. 
because all they do is they're a unit with native deep strike that's relatively cheap and you just plop them in deep strike and at some point during the some point you're going to get okay maybe i have behind enemy lines or an opponent's chucked an exaction squad a calidus some random infantry unit that's just sitting back some cultist just sitting back and holding their backfield objective and they can't screen because all their units are committed forwards dealing with all the incoming pressure that the T-Suns are providing. And now the Flamers just deep strike on their inside their deployment zone and say, hi, I'm just going to kill you now. Or hi, I'm just going to score points. And being able to come in from proper deep strike instead of having to deal with the restrictions of strategic reserves that enlightened have to means that they have so much more flexibility in what they can do. Plus, they're shooting it while heavily nerfed from 9th edition. is still something you have to worry about. D6 shots at strength 4, AP 1, 1 damage, ignore cover, is a serious problem for a lot of armies to deal with. Uh, it's just random infantry just gets roasted. Mm, and suddenly, they're in your back lines. You don't really have things that you can afford to commit to killing them because they're actually really hard to kill. And Zangor and Lightened are pretty fragile, frankly. Toughness for two wounds, five up saves, six up invul. Maybe three wounds, I forget. No, they're two wounds, just checked. Which is like, okay, I can just randomly kill those with bolt guns. Flamers, three wounds, four up invul, now that's a real thing. You have to actually commit a unit to deal with it. And you often they oftentimes just can't afford to. There's just too many other problems that they have to be dealing with at the same time. Yeah, I hadn't looked at the uh, the fact that they are so cheap. Um, mm -hmm. You know, they're basically right in line with the with the enlightened. Um, you get more wounds, you get a better save. Um, Much yeah, better. <laughs> I mean, it, it's just... yeah. I mean, it just kind of reminds me that how comical like the enlightened profile has been for 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 multiple editions now because it's it's like they always are in that state where you just you pay way too much for them and they're just I think the last time they were good is when the rule of three wasn't even in effect and you could just take, <laughs> you could just flood the board with tons of them um, but the the fact that you know they just don't do very much they cost a bunch. Um, they don't mm -hmm. have good saves. Like if you if you put a four up invul on an enlightened, now they get a little bit different. Yeah, suddenly imagine. that's a real a yeah. real thing. I'm yeah. actually looking at seriously taking those. Also, the difference of enlightened being mounted, whereas flamers are just infantry, means that they can move through terrain so much easier. Yeah. Which means that even though they're an inch slower, they have a lot more effective mobility. I've I've felt that pain with Magnus and trying to fly around the terrain. It is yeah. <laughs> nine day different than what it was in ninth edition for sure. Oh, for sure. The Magnus being so fast means it's not the worst not thing in the world. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Russell, um, not to keep you uh, keep you out of it here, man, but uh, you uh, you had a pretty good event yourself. Yeah. So I mean, four and two is great, and. Um, Especially the two people I lost. I lost uh, Mike DeHoyes, who's running Eldar, and Mike. Mike's an old school Eldar player, man. He he, he did really. He he went five with the event, and then then I lost to Eric Jett, the Gene Stiller Colt player I was talking about okay. earlier. And man, 
just the shooting on those things, even even the units that don't have the satchels. I mean, the twenty man units with all those different weapons, whew, especially if they get the CP to come in and hurt you, man. But yeah, no, I it was a it was a really good event as far as playing wise. I got to be on stream and uh, round five with uh, with Kevin McCormick from uh, Etten Games, um, and he's always a agenda to play with. I mean, I had I had six amazing opponents, had uh, a lot of fun, got a chance to play with David again. I mean, uh, me and David always have such a an incredibly close game. Um, like, and I, I couldn't have told you in round two or three or even four who was going to come out in our game because we just kept knocking each other off primaries and. I mean, that's why our score was so low. I mean, it was, you know, <laughs> normally you yeah. see you see teammates playing each other and you expect it to be like 95 to 90 or something crazy like that, you know. But, I mean, we did it legit. <laughs> so we ended up like 60-something. <laughs> I can't even remember. It was like 60-something to 50-something. But, I mean, yeah, it, was, it was it was an it absolute. Was, it was low. <laughs> well, plus it was the Alpha. It was the Alpha Omega objective uh, mission. and oh, you know, that one. Yeah, and we just kept knocking each other <laughs> off the middle objectives, and I mean, it was, it was either, either of our games, early, and ultimately, I think the big difference maker was the possessed, yeah. in the uh, the mop that that got out there and got in range of uh, Magnus. The the mop have an anti psych or two, mixed with the dev wounds from the the possessed, uh, are just a really great thing when it comes to the matchup with Thousand Sons, because I mean. You, you do Ooh, the hazardous profile yeah. on there, and it's just a yeah. flat three mortal wounds. And as a matter of fact, when I shot Magnus, um, I had because uh, they're undivided, and I, I stab one of my possessed to get the plus one to hit, plus one to wound. Um, I rolled a one, and because they were undivided, I got to to reroll that one, which I rolled into a six. So I ended up with three hits, you know, into Magnus, and it was it went a long way after two of my obliterators like shot him and knocked some wounds off. And and that was absolutely what I you know I looked at a I looked over and I'm like, how many command points you got? And he's like, zero. And I was like, what are your command yep. points at? And he's like, I don't have enough resources. And I was like, this is when I take Magnus. As soon as I realized <laughs> there was no cabal points, no command points, I was like, man, that, that master possession is going to shine today. So, yep. yep. And, and, I, actually, and I made the mistake too in that game. I, I kind of learned when I saw the possessed come out, I realized that, yeah, that was a problem. And part of that was, just my vision and I didn't see him sitting over there in the, in the ruin hiding and mm -hmm. just kind of got tunnel vision on taking abandoned his squad out that I forgot about him. And uh, I think had I brought Magnus in further away on the opposite side of the Terminators, then that would have made it so the possessed couldn't have gotten to him. They would have had to go after the Terminators. And at that point, like I had basically thrown the Terminators to go get Abaddon. And so I think I had already lost a few of them at that matter. So I, I would have much rather traded away the terminators to the possessed to then have magnus clean up that and then finish up the rest mm -hmm. of the game to everything else because i could have probably kept magnus alive versus your obliterators for a little bit yeah it i is, think so it is funny to me with magnus the incredible difference in his durability between when there's no defenses up and when he has all his defenses up with the like if you have eight cabal no ten cabal up plus a CP, Magnus is like functionally immortal. But if you have zero Cabal, zero CP, and even if maybe worse, you're not in minus one damage mode for Magnus because you decide to do extra movements, that's just brutalizing. Yeah, and that that's, I mean, it's similar to your game with uh, Morlan and 
Moreland giving you that that chance. You're like, all right, it's my time to go get that tank. And that's what I was thinking. Yep. You know, I, I felt like I was in a commanding position. And then um, when David brought his Terminators and, and the Magnus in and all his uh, shooting and range of those Terminators, he started melting them. And next thing you know, Abaddon's gone. And luckily I was able to at least fight on death with Abaddon and <laughs> the Terminators. That's actually how I got four or five of them. But I was really impressed the damage he brought down on me. And I was like, I'm in a real hole here. And my obliterators got lucky. And then, like I said, the possessed were superstars. Your dice were hot that game, too. I, I won't forget all the fives and sixes and the exploding <laughs> fives and sixes you had. It. I mean, it was like every time there was a five or six in there, it was like just a knife poking at me. Yeah. And, you know, the worst part is I, I started feeling bad about how hot my dice were. So at one point, David, <laughs> David says, here, take 14 saves, right? So I'm like, hey, do you mind if I take your dice? And these same dice that were rolling cold for for David, I picked up and it was like, I, I made like 13. Yeah, it was all fives and sixes. sixes. Yeah. yeah yep. out, it was ridiculous. Yep. That's always yep. how it When goes. it's not your day, it's not your day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I was incredibly lucky with, with, with my dice and David's dice in that game. Sometimes it happens like that. I would say the one thing that was really impressive, Russell, was that damn forge feed, man. The the dev wounds on it and the re-rolling hits of wounds and the fact that it would get blast against the big squads, like that thing it, it hilariously almost killed itself oh. just off of its packs. But outside of that, I mean it it just for what it does, it is really, really good. Yeah. Forge feeds hit like trucks. Yeah. <laughs> well, and as a matter of fact, by the time David finally tried to put something in the forge fiend it only had two wounds left so <laughs> i mean each time i shot it i did three mortal wounds and failed dark pack so by the time david even... <laughs> yeah like, i think you failed i think you failed dark packs uh, or you did something where it was like either dark packs or you took mortals off of hazardous um or yeah. something something like that with it where it was like you took like six or nine mortals in one turn with it if i remember right yeah. something just yeah. ridiculous well, it's because you shoot three guns. You have to ha take a hazard check for each one of those. So each one of the, those right. you roll is three mortals. And then you got the... Mm -hmm. Matter of fact, my second game with my Forge Fiend, the very first time I shot it, I threw three ones on the hazardous test, then fell my dark packs, Oof. and then rolled D3 and got a uh, three mortal wounds. I killed my Forge Fiend. Oh, and so did it's three just dead. Yeah, it was just <laughs> straight dead. And all I did was three wounds to an Imperial Might. And then the best part was the Forge Fiend... <laughs> blew up and hurt some of my other models it was it was amazing oh, nice <laughs> yeah and so so one thing that i have really i'm i really love the fluff of the dark packs because sometimes it does really hurt you but it also is it is an incredibly powerful thing i mean a lot of the times whether you're shooting indirect or combi weapons and things like that you're hitting on fours so strangely enough with the rerolls from abaddon or just innate terminator rerolls you end up with so many hits like when you shoot obliterators I can't tell you how many times it's turned around two to three shots. I'll get two or three shots and then end up like three or four hits because I'm, I'm trying to get past that, you know, shooting indirect penalty. And next thing you know, I end up with more hits than my D threes rolled. And <laughs> it, it with the rerolls exploding fives and sixes to hit is just a big chunk of fire. And it, it does make it feel like, God, this guy's rolling so many dice and he's getting so many hits, you know? So sometimes I, I, I think I, I absolutely love the uh, the dark packs. And plus it's super fluffy because it's like, okay, yeah, I just dumped a bunch of shots on you, but now I got to take some mortal wounds in return. So <laughs> it, it it's, it's fun, fluffy, but I think it's probably one of the, 
I say this is probably one of the strongest army rules slash detachment rules in the game. You know? Yeah. It's I mean, I would put it up, up there with uh uh strands of fate and uh Gene Stiller Colt just bringing people back. I that's yep. how powerful Dark Packs is. You know, Honestly, and, I mean a thousand suns as well. Their army yeah, rule detachment rule combo is just obscenely powerful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And now I mean but now we've seen with like the flamer build, um you know, Thousand Suns, it brings up a question that I didn't think about here. So with the fact that, okay, we see a way for Thousand Suns to actually legitimately beat Gene Steeler Cult, right? Eldar, we already know they might, might not have paths to that. I, I don't know Eldar well enough to know whether they play well into that or not, but the fact that they're still pretty dominant in the meta tells you that we've got to face mm -hmm. them at some point. So who yeah. who is top dog right now, do you think? Eldar. No questions. <laughs> it's Eldar. Um, maybe GSC. So, so it's a weird one because I think GSC has more counters to it than Eldar does. More ways that, and there's more ways that you can just screw up GSC and you're just losing now as opposed to Eldar where the their rules are so strong that they can carry you. Mm. But, and GSC are basically, if you have a top GSC player and a top Eldar player, the top GSC player will usually win. Hundred percent agree with that statement. And I tell you what, if if I if I roll up to the table, if I if I see Thousand Suns, Custodes, Imperial Knights, um, Eldar, I know I have a path to victory. Specifically with mm -hmm. the way my army build is, when I see when I roll up to the table, if, if it's Gene Stiller Colt. And it's probably one of these Texas Gene Stiller Colt players. It's going to be a fun game because I'm going to laugh yeah. the whole game. But there, there's not a path for <laughs> there's there's not a path for me in those games. I don't think as far as the way my my list is currently built. So yeah, I think I'm it's kind say, of a. Hmm. Go ahead. I was just saying I'm going to go with uh, Gene Stiller Colt's the top dog. So yeah, I think that it's a case of if you're looking at like the average player, then probably Eldar is better. If you're looking at only top players versus top players, GSC is the best, pretty confidently. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm definitely gonna echo what you guys are saying, but I think it was it was probably said um I, I think Colin McDade is probably the first person I heard it from. I uh where it was explained like, you know, they're basically playing with 2,500 to 3,000 points in their army and you're playing with 2,000 points in their army because everything just keeps coming back. So, you know, anytime you're dealing with something like that, just the fact that stuff just automatically comes back and you get into problems where, you know, the, the should the demo charges come back, should they not, and the debate about that, you know, it, it's still a problem. The fact that the units just keep coming back like that for free, mm -hmm. um, you know, and demons, demons essentially had that way back in what eighth edition or ninth edition or sorry, eighth edition before they introduced the, uh, you know, having to having to pay for them, you know, with reserves. Um, so, you know, it, it's, uh, I, I honestly, uh, don't know that I, uh, you know, other than the flamer build, I don't know of, a of, a of a way to really, you know, get around that. And then, you know, custodies, it's, it's good to know that we have the options of slowing them down and trying to pick them apart. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's still a hard matchup because a lot of it is just, if they get swinging with their dice on those four ups, um, yeah. it could be a real big problem because all of a sudden what you expect for your output 
is it what you get for your output? And now you're in a hole because you've, you've committed, like, like in your case, you commit to a side, you know, you, you're, you're hoping that you've got enough redundancy there to just really commit and just, you know, super focus it down and that you won't flood it. But you know what, you roll low on your flamer shots and then all of a sudden, okay, you know, now I'm digging deeper into my backups uh, that were there. And now my, my backup plan is starting to not get the job done. And I've, I've, I, a couple times this weekend, I had that happen where it was, um, you know, wow, I'm, I'm not clearing through what I thought I was going to clear through. And now my, my backup to the backup is, is now shooting. And all of a sudden you find <laughs> them on the last save, making a four up or a two up or something like that. And, you know, where they didn't make enough two ups that you were expecting something along that line. Um, you know, that, that in that custodies matchup, that's what always frustrates me. It's just the fact that the, the, four ups for them can just swing way in their favor, which I guess on the flip side, it can be also for us as well. Cause with Magnus and the Terminators, we have yeah. four ups there. So, <laughs> I mean, it can be, it can be kind of spiky there. Honestly, you want to know my hottest take it's GSC, the reviving thing barely matters. Mm. Every time that I've played against GSC, regardless of army, the game you can know which way it's going at the end of turn two, usually. Uh, um, definitely, and you know for sure by the end of turn three. A hundred percent agree with that because if Gene Steeler Colt does their thing, you're dead, and you, you that it, you don't even get a chance to kill them in the first place. And if yeah, you kill them, matter. you can keep. <laughs> yeah, you, you can keep pushing back mm-hmm. and playing games with the with them bringing back to where they're they're really irrelevant. Yeah. Tur- um, mm-hmm. But yeah, if they if they can get if they can you know, get, you know, I wouldn't say it's called crossfire anymore, but like I got caught between three units of Gene Stiller Colt with all over me. And I was like, man, I'm losing stuff so fast. This is, this is ridiculous. They, so yeah. yeah, they don't, they don't need it. My, my hot take on it is it's not that they come back. It's the fact that that unit only costs 160 points for the 20 of those guys. Yeah. With all those yeah. guns. And <laughs> I mean, you, you look at, you look at the output of two obliterators. Everybody's like, man, that's a lot. That's 160 points. Mm-hmm. Well, the output on a 20 man, squad from gene stiller cult is like the output of eight obliterators in one 160 point unit <laughs> and and you know it's it's so cheap and and the fact that it does come back it's you can actually just throw it away it's like you know that yeah. that's eric's list actually had one of the units that had the bomb in it there you know he had one unit of aberrants a couple of the mm-hmm. uh the trucks to shoot the indirect and the rest was the 20 man yeah. squads and one of those 20 man squads ate through all 10 of my terminators that were minus one to hit and hurt Abaddon, and that's yep. you know, that was oh one twenty, one hundred sixty point unit. Yeah, like I look at what David did with my terminators. <laughs> it took to to kill ten terminators. Half my army. It had it took um, Magnus, ten terminators, and two squads of Ruberts, one of which had flamers, and then he had to finish it on the charge. Yep. He had to finish it Gee, on the charge, yeah. <laughs> and a one one hundred sixty point. Uh, Gene Stiller Colt unit was just like, why don't you just pick them all up? Yeah. I was like, no, this is GSC are the best shooting army in the game, bar none. And Mm -hmm. that shouldn't be how it is, but that's how it is right now. Like a single unit of Acolyte hybrids, which is plus a Primus, that's like 220 points. It shoots harder than the full Terminator squad from Thousand Suns with Magnus nearby with four CP dumped in with all the full combo. The this squad just 
It comes three inches away. It shoots you. You just die. It kills a knight every time. Mm, it's insanity. In and it's point. only 160 points. And since we're and since we're talking about units that are 160 points, why then is a blood litter unit 160 points? Oh, why are, don't get me started. And then why are demonettes 140 points or whatever? <laughs> like it's a it's just like I'm I'm looking at this stuff and it just doesn't make any sense. It's like it's a typo or something. Like it's supposed there's supposed to be an entry there that it's half the cost for the 10 man, and that's actually the 20 man cost that they were thinking. Yeah, I, I don't exactly. I don't I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, I don't get it. Either. It's it's, it's absolutely there, there's no parody. <laughs> so <laughs> there's no parody on that. Yeah, it's like it it really feels like the neophytes and acolytes where point costed as okay, this, this is the cost of the base unit, and then it's plus five points per special weapon you add in, and plus ten points for heavy weapons. And then they just removed the war gear cost and forgot to change the base. Yeah. I think that's kind of the fear a lot of folks had when, when they did that coming into this edition, is that, you know, the fact that not all war gear is created equal, and then you have units like this that the the base cost of the unit is super cheap and then you just get these really amazing weapons and stuff that you can just load up into them for you know effectively for free yeah i mean it's the, it almost gets to the point where like even you like look at rubrics and you kind of you got all your 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 30 rubrics with bolters on them and you're like man i feel feel like i'm punished that now that i'm I modeled them that way because the yeah why wouldn't you go the flamer other than the fact it's not modeled and, that way in your collection but I mean, and, and Rubik's are a great unit. I mean, across the across the meta, they mm -hmm. are an incredibly well well pointed unit for what they do. But then you go and look at Marines. You go through their codex, and you look at all the Marine units they have outside of like the Desolation Marines. You know, like a a pound for pound Marine unit with Rubik Marines, it's way different there too. I think. I mean, there's yeah. there's. It just kind of kind of shows that there are some things in Thousand Suns right now that are are quite good. Uh, if the tools are really oh, good, yeah. but I think the other the other flip side of that is that's as long as you stick with the core of the army, which is Magnus, the Terminators, Rubrics, and the and the characters. Essentially, you know, if you stay <laughs> within that, that's the strength of the Codex. The minute you start to stray off into stuff like Demon Engines and Thousand Suns and um, you know their vehicles and other stuff it just it drops off like a cliff um, because yep. there's no support for it um, they have no synergy with anything else in the army they don't get buffed by anything um, and that's kind mm -hmm. of it, it's a shame because that's been the state of the codex for a while yeah it's like there's a few tricks you can do with some of the vehicles like it can be kind of funny to take a vindicator and temporal surge it somewhere and then it goes and murders something but it's just not really doing anything for how the army wants to play. And it makes it just easier for opponents to do, like Russell was talking about earlier, just say, okay, you only have these few sources of Cabal. I'm just going to kill them. And now you're stuck. You're just with decent Marine data sheets is all you've got. Or the fact that you have to go all in on Cabals because that's your mm -hmm. strength of the army at the moment. You know, that's that's yeah. what actually makes it all work really well. Well, uh, what else what else is there to cover from the tournament? Yeah. Yeah, so I, I I'll take I'll take that opportunity to speak on something that I, you know, we kind of talked about before we started recording. Uh, and it 
and it's super sad. And we we can't talk about the Texas Open without without bringing it up. Uh, and most of the uh, Warhammer community that that knew him is already already knows about this. And, and it, it's horrible that we lost uh, Viet Win, who was a, an amazing painter, uh, Texas staple when it comes to personalities in Texas 40k, um, and he, just an amazing person. Uh, I got to hang out with him after round three for a little bit, and we got to be incredibly inappropriate together. And, um, you know, uh, later that night, uh, before he made it home, he ended up in a vehicle incident and, and he, he sadly passed. And I just like to, to say that Viet Win was an amazing person and he's, he's going to leave his mark on, uh, 40k for a long time. And I can tell you from here, I, I'm in one of the Texas TO groups and almost every major tournament in Texas is looking at, uh, renaming their painting awards in honor of him and and just there's even one event that was talking about doing an apocalypse game you know in his honor because that he painted so many titans and big things like that i mean you know and he he's just a, an amazing personality and he's going to be he's going to be really missed inside the texas 40k community so that's well thanks. said and that was a that was a sad uh that was some sad news to wake up to that first round that we had was probably the hardest round to really um get into just because i mean your your thoughts were on you know be it and exactly like you said he was a he was a great dude and um you know always seemed to have a smile on his face and having a great time when we you know seeing him at tournaments for ages now and um his his titan collection and the work of the talent he had is just absolutely incredible um so i hope they i hope yeah. they uh have a way to kind of like immortalize his titan collection in some way shape or form i heard i heard a few ideas floating out there so i hope uh i hope some of that stuff can actually happen because it's uh um it would be a great way to just kind of honor him a little bit i mean his titan collection is evident in the list that he brought for the texas open of where he brought a imperial guard with four bane blades and had actually painted up 24 unique bane blades that he could run four different Bane Blades every single round of the events, which is just an incredible feat yeah. for anyone to do. Yeah, I I'll say this about all three of my my Sunday opponents were absolutely, or actually all my opponents the entire event were amazing. But in, in light of what happened Saturday night, you know, and getting paired up against uh, David was was almost like it was that was a really hard game like you said to make it through plus we yeah. had a bloodbath and then i got to go on stream with kevin mccormick who's an absolute gem to hang out and play with and then of course eric tat and so it it just it was it was a it was a really rough day but it was it kind of you how great this community is you know that that we could that we community is almost is almost become one giant family it doesn't matter if you're from dallas or san antonio or galveston or houston or wherever it's it's just a really good community and and, and so things like that to just come out on Sunday and still be able to, to, to love and laugh your buddies from across the state was, was, uh, was really special to me. And, and, and reflecting on it this week, I'm just really happy to be part of this 40 K community. So. Yeah. Ditto, ditto yeah. on that. I mean, the entire drive home, that was one of the things I really appreciated was just, you know, getting time to, to hang out with everybody. Um, you know, the steak dinner we had on the, on the drive up on Friday night, that was fantastic. Um, I will say, um, I felt really bad for my round two opponent. Um, it was a world leaders player, Spencer, uh, great oh, dude. The poor soul. <laughs> um, I, I, you know, first of all, I give him 
awesome kudos for for sticking with world leaders, trying to make them work. Um, he he had what looked like a pretty fun list to run, um, but uh, sadly, uh, in our game, I decided to double doom bolt him turn one. Now, just for for context, he had Angron, a Land Raider. Uh, a demon prince and a bunch of berserkers basically um, that mm-hmm. was kind of like the core guts of what he was going to hit me with i so i focused on the land raider and engron turn one i rolled a six for the first doom bolt and then i rolled a six for the second doom bolt that went out and then i rolled a five for the Ooh. damage and a six for the damage and Oof. that was 18 mortal wounds before i even began shooting magnus or anything else that started on the table um, and so I want to say that the land raider and most of the berserkers died on turn one. Um, he went first, he went first too, which, which kind of hurt because he, he basically zoomed up close to me. Um, I was basically just screening everything. Like Magnus was just standing behind stuff and I was far enough away that it was going to take him a full two turns to get to me. So the first turn was literally just popping Angron, popping the Land Raider, and then it was, that was it. Um, I think Angron did get into combat turn two, uh, but he was so weak that it basically, he he died instantly, uh, you know, between the Overwatch from Aramon and, and the Flamers and, um, you know, everything else. But just the fa- just rolling the double Doom Bolt at full damage, just right off the bat was was kind of like, man... You know, just adding insult to injury there for for not having really any mortal wound protection other than you know his six up field of pain. Um, that that I felt bad for him. That was a, that was a rough uh, rough go of it there. But it was a good game. I mean, all of my games were great. Um, you know, I I don't think I really had any uh, any any games where it was like uh, you know like Russell. I think in our game it was the the biggest mistake was just Magnus just feeding you Magnus basically on the, on the wrong side of the board. And hmm. uh, I think that would have been a little bit, a little bit closer score wise had I, had I not done that. But uh, outside of that, I, I really enjoyed the game against Robert uh, just because, um, you know, at the end it was, it was very close. I went second um, and towards the the second half of the game, I really started to score and kept, he, he got up early because he was able to shove all his hellhounds out there um, but I was able to kind of turn things around, um, got up, you know, basically started pulling, pulling the score back. And at the, at the very end, I think it was real, real close to um, having it not, not come out, you know, three points uh, in, in the negative there to him. Um, and it really just kind of flipped on. Um, I think there was like one crucial save or two that were in there that resulted in a five for primary difference between the two of us. Um because basically the last two rounds I had basically been, you know, he was only getting five for primary where I was getting uh, pretty much like 15 at that point. So um, yeah, that it was an awesome game. Um, look forward to playing him again in the future. Uh, any, uh, any final words on a uh, thousand suns? What's your take on the, on the upcoming balance? I'm hoping they're flying under the radar. I really do. I think. My um, one <laughs> I think they should get hit. <laughs> I think if they don't get hit, they're the best army in the game. Well, yeah, I mean, the, right now, if you think about <laughs> it, I mean, GSC and Eldar and and maybe even Custodes to a little bit of degree, most mm-hmm. most Thousand Suns 
armies are getting held back by those, uh, in my opinion. Um, th- those yeah. just tend to be kind of the gatekeeper lists for 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 T-Suns. If though we know that almost all of those are going to get hit, that it's just very yep. very obvious they're going to do something to those armies. If they did nothing to Thousand Suns, that that obviously be- becomes a problem because then you've just taken the 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 control off there or the the you've taken the reins off. Yeah. Um, so if they do if they do affect Thousand Suns, what do you think is most likely to happen? Points almost certainly. Mm. It just because from what I've heard, they're trying to move to a thing of doing points every three months and then the only doing the balance patches every six months. And so this is like a points only patch from what I heard, though maybe they might change some rules if it's like absolutely necessary. Mm, I guess that probably the things getting hit would be it would it would be a light touch if it's anything because Thousand Suns aren't dominating the meta and they really are such a skill dependent army where if you mess up with them you can really really get punished for it but probably like Magnus Rubric Marines Terminators would be the things that would get hit is my guess. I actually think if if I had to guess, just because I feel how powerful it is in just about any army, I could see Lone Operative being nerfed to 18 inches across the board. Ooh, that would be interesting. I mean, the, the, the I'm talking the Nurgle strat, I'm talking Assassins, I'm talking the Gene Stiller Colt strat, everything being nerfed almost to the same distance as the Sorcerer. Right? The Sorcerer is still... Yeah. Still super powerful right now at 18 mm-hmm. inches, but it's not as silly as 12 inches. Because I had to say, like, take yeah, take <laughs> take this combo for example. There's certain g- games where I can just take Abaddon in this unit, rapid ingress in 12.1 inches away from somebody, pop my neural strat, untargetable, and charge, and I'm, I'm wherever I want to be, and they get to do nothing yep. about it. And and that's just absolutely silly. If you backed it off to 18 inches. Then now that advanced charge isn't a guaranteed thing, you know, it. But it's mm-hmm. all the loan operator stuff is is silly, and, and dev GSC wounds out the same thing, and <laughs> and I think dev wounds should be changed to um your shooting phase or your fight phase, and you don't get it hmm. in other phases. I think that that would go a long way to fix dev wounds to where it's still something powerful that you're you have in your profile, but it's not something that you know dark. Or, or Eldar can roll some dice, hopefully get a six, change another one to a six. Oh, here, take 46 mortal wounds and Overwatch. And that, <laughs> to me, that's just, just not cool. Yeah. So. And honestly, Infernal Masters do are the same abusers of that, is the reality of it. I I really like what you said earlier in the, the, the podcast kit, where instead of thinking about the character buffing the unit, the unit's buffing the character. And that, yeah. that's mm-hmm. that. So matter of yeah, fact, most of the time, Abaddon ways. is, it, do, it really does. Like I even do it in uh, a lot. As soon as Abaddon breaks away from the rest of the army, I go with the uh, reroll leadership and dark pack test. And it, because the Terminators hmm. are giving the reroll hits to Abaddon. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty neat. It's, so. yeah, it's good. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Rubric Marines go up in price. I think out of all the things they're, they're, they yeah, feel like the most cheap. likely thing to get. Yeah, they just maybe about ninety five is maybe what they go up to, and um, 
I mean, they're I, at 95 right uh, now. Sorry, sorry. Uh, I'm thinking the, um, what was it, at 85? Is it the Sorcerer? Something was at 85. They 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 need to go up about like 10, 10 points or so, um, you know, just yeah. to kind of, I, and I think what, what the net effect will be is it'll, it'll make it so that you can't quite squeeze in all of the units that you're trying to squeeze in right now. Like you're going to lose, mm -hmm. you're going to lose like one thing out of all, one of the little tools that you have. So maybe you don't have the changeling or maybe you don't have the flamers or something like that. Um, as a result, like you'll still have the core of it, but you won't get that one extra little bit um, that you normally would yeah. have. Um, I, I would be really personally shocked if they touch Terminators and Magnus because they're, they're Magnus already is the best unit in the army though. <laughs> he is, but then on the flip side, when, when you look at the fact that like, okay, Magnus and the Terminators come in and they can pick up almost anything in the game or just about anything mm -hmm. in the game. Well, okay. That's half my entire army right there that can do yeah. that. You know, <laughs> At some point, the the little like if you're adding like ten points to Magnus or something, that's really not doing anything. So if they're point changing Magnus mm. or they're point changing Terminators, they're significant swings where it's like okay, if I think personally, Terminators get more expensive and your full Terminator brick, if it gets to like you know six hundred points essentially, uh, people are yeah. just going to not take them. They're just going to load up on more rubrics. They'll just go all in on flamers or something like that, or maybe what what the better build is is to focus more on cabal points and you take smaller terminator units and they're they're not there mm -hmm. to just be a like a a killy shoot a, a big killy shooty brick um but they're there to just like add more psychic and add more cabals and be very tanky uh and and hard to move yeah but, it's like well when i say magnus and termi's going up they're 410 right now i could see them going to like 440 Mm, not a giant nerf but just a a bump yeah. make them not so much of a this is an auto include in the list yeah i could see that although i still think magnus is so good that even if he went up for yeah you'd still I, take him i think you take him all day <laughs> i mean the fact that he's in what like 99 percent of every list uh that's been at tournaments so far i mean it just tells you how good magnus is um but on the flip side i don't think anybody's out there going well you know, Magnus is just ruining the game right now. <laughs> you can deal with him. He's like, not. I think, yeah. I mean, you can deal with him. You can kill him. He's, he's, yes, you can put the, um, the, the strats on there, but the, the thing is, there's a sequence to it that you have to follow. So if you've got both yeah. Magnus and the Terminators on the table, you know, it, you have to commit what you think that the opponent is going to want to kill. So it's not like I can just like, double echo Magnus, well, okay, now the Knight player is just going to pick up the Terminators, right? So, right. Or, or I split it between the two, well, then I'm just throwing one away on whatever he shoots, uh, and then the other one just goes, it, it just expended resources for nothing at that point. So there, there are things you can do to kind of make sure that, you know, like Thousand Suns players are actually sequencing things correctly and using stuff in the right order. Yep. Um, and that actually makes it a little bit more difficult to keep magnus alive um a little bit more difficult to like you know pick the right time to use different things so you got to be real strategic with that stuff oh 100 it's very very easy to mess up the sequencing with thousand oh, cents yeah. <laughs> i have i have found what works is to think of the beginning of your shooting phase as your cabal phase 
where yeah, that's, that's where that's where all of <laughs> yeah so that's where all of that has to happen like all of them have to be declared at the start of your shooting phase so or at the start of a phase but all your work is going to get done in the shooting phase so when you get there mm -hmm. You basically just say, okay, before I begin shooting anything, I'm going to do my cabal stuff and hand all that out. Okay, great. Now let's go shoot. Your stratagems are at any point, so you don't have to worry about, you know, d declaring them ahead of time. So, you know, you basically are just get your cabals done before you start shooting, but after you're done with your movement and then just think steps yep. at that point. And that, that tends to solve a lot of that. You also, by the way, cannot shoot all the Terminators indirect. Uh, yeah, you can't, you can't do that, guys. Wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you can't do that. It it applies that it's so a, that strat is mm -hmm. psychers only and so or psycher models only. And unfortunately, yeah, like if you use it on the terminators, mm -hmm. it'll just be like the sorcerer and the uh and the aspiring sorcerer that are in there or the terminator sorcerer. Yep. Yeah. Easy yeah, mistakes to make. That wrong. <laughs> yep. Easy mistakes to make, but mm -hmm. all right, guys. Um, I'm just trying to think if there's anything else other than I think the, the, the main thing is knowing that Magnus did nothing wrong. Um, <laughs> it's true. In fact, he did everything right this event. Yeah, he absolutely did. Magnus was <laughs> a Chad this event. Absolute champion. Best unit in my list. I like, <laughs> man is so good. <laughs> You know, you know the the just to add to that, the the one thing I really picked up on this weekend, like I I wish I had thought about this earlier on. Um, the extend right the nine inch range extension strat mm -hmm. that, to Magnus coupled with indirect, coupled with rerolling hits yeah. and moves. and it's yeah, just suddenly that. like <laughs> yeah, I mean it's just suddenly like oh my god, this guy just like he hits whatever he wants anywhere on the table like. Oh, you're hiding back there behind that? Well, no, my rubric my rubric brains can see you. You're dead. Um, yeah, no. it's like, okay, you're hiding. That's cool. I'm going to use Umbrellific Crystal. I'm going to double move. Oh, I see you now. It's nope. I might not be in range. Guess yep. what, Magnus is? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, you're phantasming? Oh, that's too bad. Nine, in, nine more inches. <laughs> <laughs> or actually, you're phantasming. That's fine. I'll just chase you. I move 14 inches. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, and I can say the Rangers, the Eldar Rangers are probably some of the most annoying things to shoot. They just, yeah, they, they just are. absolutely <laughs> just, they pester the crap out of you the whole game. Mm -hmm. I did some practice into Eldar and it was very difficult, challenging. I did, I think like, T-Suns absolutely have more play than most armies into Eldar, but it is not an easy matchup by no. any stretch of the imagination. Now, if you could take the Wraith Knight out, I think that that pretty much kind of seals it for you. Because yes. even, even stuff like Warwalkers, they're real good, but I mean, one Doombolt is possible to, to take it out. Oh, I'm actually very happy if I see Rangers, uh, the Wraith Knight on their list, because I'm like, all right, cool. You know what's going to happen to that Wraith Knight? I'm going to move into positions where I can't, where you can't see me, so you can't overwatch me. Then yep. I'm going to double move and I'm going to kill you. <laughs> yep. And it almost does us a favor when they, when, when the tournaments do the, um, uh, do terrain that blocks line of sight for towering. 
uh, for, yep. for towering stuff because then, okay, well now I can, now I have a way to run right up to you. Russell, any closing thoughts, buddy? No, I'm, I'm pretty much, I really enjoyed having Kit tonight and I want to congratulate Kit again on his amazing performance with Thousand Sons. Hell I'm super yeah. happy for him, super proud of him. And that's, that's basically where I'm at. I'm just happy to be here with, uh, with the Magnus and, and Kit over here and having her having a great 40k conversations you know it's got a lot of yeah, good thanks. food for thought a lot of good food for thought because our last podcast we we talked about custodes and as you yeah. talked about the exalted sorcerer and you know popping around and doing that i'm like man look at kit so. <laughs> <laughs> well what's the uh what's the next event you guys are headed to is it warzone houston yes uh, warzone nova houston. first oh you're headed to nova <laughs> Outstanding. Same yep. same list as uh, what you took to Texas. Uh, probably as long as I can uh, make sure that I have the models locked in. <laughs> gotcha. Well, if you need help, you Stop. know where I am. Fair enough. I'll I'll like how that my my infernal master would love to go six and zero again. 